0: And there came a day. A day unlike any other. When Earth's mightiest podcasters found themselves united to have the conversations you always wanted to have about the films you love.
1: With great power comes great responsibility. I just finally know what I have to do. Mr. McGee. Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. Avengers!
0: Assemble. Welcome to the Cult Classic Comics Show.
1: Welcome everyone to the Cult Classic Comic Show. I'm your host, Carmelo Chimera.
2: I'm Omi Gonzalez. Ho! I'm Jason
1: Chawala.
0: And I'm Emily Hunter.
1: And we're here today to do a a double feature for you. Uh, I think this episode is cursed. Does anyone want to tell the listeners why this episode is cursed? What happened here? Anybody? Any volunteers? There's four well, of us. A
3: couple of weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, we recorded this episode, and um, our fearless leader over here decided that his computer was going to crash in the middle of the episode, wow. and our recording went with it. So here we are, recording <laughs> this episode once again for arguably not the two worst Batman movies of all time but what can be argued as the two worst movies, period. So here we go.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, uh, in my defense, we only finished half of Batman Forever, and now we're going to do Batman Forever and Batman and Robin at the same time. So we only lost a quarter of this episode, and I think that's how I'm going to choose to remember
3: it. Um, I, lost, I lost a quarter of my self-respect. Yeah, but that happened when you watched the movies, not when we did the episode. <laughs> that happened when I was born.
1: I, um, so I have to admit, uh, I bought these movies on 4k to watch them for this podcast because yeah, yeah, because, and we're going to talk about why when we get to the production, but I had heard that it is a different experience in like high resolution and, and it was, I, I Pepsi challenged Batman forever. I watched Batman forever twice for you people so (laughs) let it not be known that uh uh we don't suffer for our podcast and before we get into everyone's first impressions uh a quick uh contest i have for everyone my 4k set came with digital copies of all these movies so if you uh kindly uh leave a review for our podcast on your podcast app of choosing uh next week i will announce a winner two winners and you'll win either batman forever or batman and robin Digital. I will send you the digital codes because I don't believe in that sort of thing. Uh, so without further ado, who wants to start? First impressions. Should, should we do both movies or do you want to do forever and then I'll switch us to Robin halfway through?
3: What how do you want to do it? I I say we switch okay. because we're gonna we're gonna switch it just like they did Batman.
1: Nice, nice, I like it. Alright, so who wants to tell me what Batman Forever was about? Batman <laughs>
0: It? It's been like 2 weeks since I saw it. I can't remember
3: it.
1: <laughs> it's not burned into your psyche forever?
3: <laughs> She's going to therapy for it.
0: Yeah. All
1: right, I guess I'll I'll start since Emily has repressed memories. Uh so Batman Forever uh starts with Batman already at war with Two-Face and uh in the crossfire is is the the Grayson family leaving Dick uh Dick Grayson orphaned and he joins Batman's crusade just in time for the rise of a new villain called the Riddler who, who teams up with Two-Face to uh, sell these boxes that make it basically Oculus, but like 20 years earlier and more evil. And the Oculus like sucks your brain power and sends it to the Riddler and makes him smarter. And he figures out who Bruce Wayne is. And in the end, Batman has to choose between Bruce and Batman. Spoiler, chooses both and wins. And Two-Face dies for, on a technicality. I think I sums it up. Anybody else? Did I do That's anything? about right. Did I miss it. What'd you guys think? I know Jason's dying to tell us all what he thinks. Jason, what do you think of Batman forever?
3: <laughs> you know, this is, I mean, okay. So Batman forever is the brainchild of the product of the studio's attempt to lighten the mood because I guess they just, they just felt that Batman and Batman returns was just too dark for the general audience. And it just wasn't, it wasn't appropriate enough for, their uh, target demographic which was like mostly kids at the time but um uh what's his name oh tim burton so tim burton is mostly hands off of, of this movie and handed it off to uh joel schumacher correct right yep so this movie is a little bit cartoony uh it does have the 1960s batman kind of vibe to it but maintains some of the darkness from the previous two movies Um, A lot of people felt that this movie was a continuation of the first two, but the uh, screenwriter, whose name slips my mind at the moment, uh, had confirmed that it's not. This was kind of like a, uh, just a half-assed reboot. And that's exactly what it was. Um, You know, um, Jim Carrey's performance, he's basically just Jim Carrey being Jim Carrey in a green suit. And you know, Jim Carrey's at the height of his career at this time because, like, Ace Ventura had just kind of come out, and I think Dumb and Dumber was either just out or coming out, so... And he and he just plays the same character in all these movies. Um, Tommy Lee Jones, off the heels of uh, The Fugitive, which was a very serious and awesome movie filmed in Chicago, is playing this, like, cartoony character. It's as if, like, he didn't even read the script. He just, like, agreed to be part of this, like... I don't know, pop pop culture uh phenomenon that was happening. Um overall just a very, very bad movie. Um I've watched it twice in my whole life and that's two times too many.
0: Uh,
3: uh, uh, wow, that is savage. Um
1: sure. it's a tough act to follow. Emily, what do you got for me? What do you think of Batman Forever?
0: Um well, just like the Urban Dictionary says, this is Batman Forever. This is like an STD that won't go away. <laughs> um, it uh, it was a complete like one eighty, like uh, Jason said, from Tim Burton's dark, uh, more macabre and gothic scenario. I wasn't a big fan of it. I felt like there was a lot of theatrics. Um, It was definitely geared towards more kids. Um, It just wasn't one of my favorites. I didn't feel like the female characters for me were strong um, or somebody to look up to. Um, And I just had a hard time kind of following what was going on because it was, it was kind of like a video game or like at a circus. For the most part because Jim Carrey was nuts like usual which we we like him in certain movies and playing the same role but this was just not I I didn't care for it and Tommy Lee Jones just like Jason said it was like it was weird it was just weird seeing him in that role so I wasn't a big fan of it I would say no again I watched this just like Jason twice and it was one time too many
1: Omi, what have you got? You surely are a resident Bat fan has something positive to say about Batman forever.
2: It, it had Batman in the title. Like, you know, if that helped out anyway. But and this, this, you know, this movie screams toys when I was watching it. Like toys, 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 toys. Uh, I don't know what the fuck was going on. It said it wanted to be light, lighter, but I felt like the bat suit was way too dark. Everything was going on dark. Chase Meridian whatever her name was, like she was all in the wrong places at the wrong time. With the, it was it was. I'm, I'm with all, I'm with all the rest of my podcasters. This movie sucked. I'd rather I'd rather get a molar removed than watch <laughs> the movie ever again.
3: I would. No, rather, like I'll the like, only way they could have saved this movie is if they like pierced Batman's nipples on his suit. Ooh. <laughs>
2: That's a good thing, but at the same time, pierce my nipples next time if I ever say something dumb, like, I want to watch fucking Batman Forever.
1: How please. about I want to make a podcast where we have to watch Batman Forever? Is that count?
2: Listen, I just sent you the link to the Port Ministry. Since you're buying dumb shit, you might as well donate to a great organization, all right? I don't know why you're buying the 4K of those movies.
3: <laughs> I know. Why why do why do you want to like why do you want to see shit in the toilet in full color HD?
1: First of all, I gave you 2 grand this week. Second of all, I while we're doing shameless plugs, Sin Eater, my first feature film is now released uh March 15th on video on demand everywhere. I promise you it is better than Batman Forever and Batman and Robin at least. Uh I make no other guarantees I, I that. or re- thank you Jason. I make no other guarantees or representations of any kind. Uh, and I guess I gotta, I gotta say next is, look, it's easy to just like beat up on this movie. Like, like it's really, really easy to beat up on this movie. So I'm going to take the brave stance. I'm going to stand up for this movie and Batman and Robin today because there's no, you know, we need drama in this show. You know, we need some controversy. So I'm going to, I'm going to use my years of legal training and I'm going to defend these movies. Uh, I have some nice things to say about it. Tell
3: us what you liked about the movie.
1: Right. I'm glad you, I'm glad you asked. No, because because like everyone in comicdom hates Batman Forever. No one's going to tune into a show to listen to us talk about how much this movie blows because everyone knows it blows. But I think there's some interesting stuff in there. So first of all, um, uh, I actually, I will say I like Batman and Robin better than Batman Forever. And I'll, I'll explain why when we get to Batman and Robin. But uh, in this case here... The problem with Batman Forever, I think, is that it rides the fence. It's part dark. It's like they say it's not a continuation of Tim Burton's movies, but it is. It's the same, more or less the same suit. It's the same Alfred, like the same Gordon. uh, But it's trying to inject this like neon trim to it to make it more palatable. And I think when you ride the fence, you make a mistake. There's also a really huge plot point that was cut from the movie that the whole thing was depending on. So uh, we'll get there in a minute. But what I like about the movie um, is best summed up on what my wife said, which is like, look, this movie's not any more stylized than Batman Returns, which she knows is my favorite, right? Like, that's super stylized. It's just a different style. And I like Burton's black and white. I like Burton's, you know, long stripes. I like his weird circus themes. Um, And I like Joel Schumacher's less but that doesn't make it better or worse. It's just a different style and it's not any more or less stylized than returns. So, you know, there's something to be said there. Um, I think on the pro column, I like Val Kilmer as Batman. He's not my favorite Batman, but he's, I think he's really good in this movie. I think he plays it really straight and, and you could see the back pain from carrying this fucking movie on Val Kilmer. You can see him struggling with that lumbar the entire movie. Uh, And also I like Jim Carrey in this. So I know that like the Riddler's over the top, but he's not the problem. The problem is two Face, right? Like in a comedy, you need a straight man and you need like a goofball. And if two face had been the straight man and Riddler was the goofball, this would have worked, but they were both goofballs. Like two face could not have been worse. So it doesn't, it doesn't play. Um, but like, honestly, and even
3: even Tommy Lee Jones as a goofball just didn't work. No, not at all. There's nothing about that guy that says goofball. And yeah.
1: what pisses me off is he, he had said in interviews like, oh, well, this isn't the kind of role I would normally take because uh, I look for nuance in my roles and the comic books do not concern themselves with nuance. So it was freeing to just play a Saturday morning cartoon supervillain. That's what he said. It's his literal, almost verbatim quote from Tommy Lee Jones about this. And like, I cannot think of a more nuanced character than Two Face. Like, I would argue he's the most nuanced Batman villain there is. You know, he's duality brought to life. I found it so offensive when he said that. So I know I said I was going to defend Batman forever, but I've sort of
3: stomped on it a little bit too. You defended a, you've defended it then more than what most people would. So.
1: Yeah, and I think that lends credibility to my position because it was an honest defense. I didn't make up bullshit. Like for instance, I hate Chase Meridian in this movie.
0: I didn't like her either. Emily, who wins um, in a fight?
1: Chase or Selena Kyle?
0: Selena Kyle, easy. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like her because I felt like she was overly sexually aggressive and I mean, she kind of played they I know a lot of filmmakers and movies played like or have that typical woman trope where it's like I can't make up my mind of what I want like does she want Bruce Wayne does she want Batman and it's like it goes back and forth back and forth I didn't like that she came off as too easy to try to get with Batman I didn't like that um and I definitely didn't like her comment about being in leather or anything like that because I was like you are not Catwoman so stop (laughs) So I and I just didn't like her character. I didn't. I didn't understand how she could go from being like this psychiatrist and then she's. And I understand everybody's different in their real life, their home life versus work life. But there was just it just didn't it didn't work for me. And her acting could have been better. I'm not a huge Nicole Kidman fan, but I I didn't find any depth in her character.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. Um. And apologies to my, my podcast hosts who heard me say this the first time in this podcast got, uh, lost to time. Oh, we are recording a backup now, right? Um, me get on that backup. Meantime. Um,
3: I'm not going to record this episode a third time. <laughs> <laughs>
1: let's hope, let's hope we don't have to. Um, so, um, the thing about, about chase Meridian is like, um, in, in literary criticism, there's a couple of different tests for whether a work is feminist, and one of them is called the sexy lamp test. And it's if you can replace one of the women in the movie with a sexy lamp and not change the movie, then you do not have a feminist work in front of you. And uh, we I won't get into the politics of whether or not your move, every story needs to be feminist, but this fails spectacularly. Chase Meridian is the sexy lamp like textbook she does nothing other than be hot in this movie and uh like to the point where bruce consults her on the riddler and he's like what do you think and she's like he's a wacko it's like okay she's a psych psychiatrist and the 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 only opportunity she has to add to this movie she just plays it off as a joke and it's like yeah thanks a lot i already knew he was crazy so that she just she's just terrible it's balanced however by how amazing Nicole Kidman is. I think she's wonderful. She's no Catwoman, but she is very <laughs> impressive. She's also six feet tall. I learned last night at a Tig Notaro stand-up. Uh, so, Interesting. You know.
3: Nicole Kidman's six feet tall. Nicole Kidman straight up. Just Poor Tom Cruise. Yeah, Tom Cruise is like five foot two.
1: Well, I he's know, like, but it's got to be kind of fun to get like tossed around. You know what I mean? Like, I'll never know that joy because I'm six two, two hundred and forty pounds. Like, he's probably well hung. I'm sure he is. Um, Yes. uh, This has got awkward quick. Uh, So let's move on from that. Um, I do. I do have some trivia on Nicole Kidman's character, though. This kind of goes to like why the movie really sucks. Like, really, we, we could argue that like, oh, like the portrayal of the Riddler is legitimate. You know, we could get into some of this stuff. But the movie does suck because there was a through line. Did you guys notice this through line about the red book? Do you guys know what I'm talking about? So in the movie, right? Uh, everyone's shaking their heads. For those of you not watching on YouTube, everyone's shaking their heads at me. Uh, so there's this like recurring theme in the movie that Batman has like repressed memories. And he's like, remembers this red book from his childhood. And, um, that goes nowhere. It goes absolutely nowhere, but it's in actuality. It's what the whole script was built on. And there was a scene that they cut. And the whole movie like tumbles like a house of cards without the scene. And it explained like why Two-Face is the villain and it explains why Chase is in it. So in the, in the original cut, Batman was going to discover this repressed memory of his father's journal. And the last page of the journal before he dies is Martha and I want to stay in tonight, but Bruce really wants to go to the movies. So we're going to go see a movie tonight. And Batman sees this as like a kid at his parents' funeral and realizes their death is his fault. And he runs from the funeral and he falls into the Batcave and sees the Bat, right? And Val Kilmer was going to remember this repressed memory. He was going to go back to the Batcave and see like the same Bat. And it was this very gothic sequence that they cut because they thought it was too scary for kids, right? the whole movie was built on it. The whole idea of like duality and then expressing that through two Face, And then having like the love interest, be a psychiatrist. Like it was all connected to this thread and they just like, just gave up on the whole thing to cut that sequence. So, um, it's sort of, that's, it's sort of a neat idea. I like it. What do you guys think? Would that have helped this movie at all?
3: Yeah, it, it would, it would've, it, would've, um, it it would have, um, it would have made the movie a little bit more artful but that would have been it's only like artsy aspect. And then you would have just had like a, the rest of the movie would have just been like driving off a cliff. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it would, it would have helped the movie like momentarily. And then that was it.
1: Well, speaking of cars, does anybody like the Batmobile in this movie? This is okay.
3: This
1: is
2: a really hard podcast car. This is, we got some really hard things going on in this.
1: <laughs> I need you to reach yeah. deep because I certainly can talk for twelve more yeah. minutes about Batman All Forever, right. but no one wants to hear just me.
2: I will say this, just as, as to like artists, like we know that you know the the story you just gave us. It makes a lot of sense because I've seen a lot of creative projects lose its essence on the way to existence, right? So, like that gets cut out through the editing room, through everybody trying to make money, through everyone going going through. That's good. The other thing I would give this movie credit for was that at that time still comic book movies weren't as popular, right? Like we still had only a couple under our belts. There was no real formula, you know, like the Marvel method did not hit yet. So it's trying to find this way. And there's a lot of kudos for that, but they, they, it's, this feels like it got cut in the editing room and then it got cut with like with pockets. Um, I will say one thing I do like was the cameo from in Vogue though. I don't, don't know why that happened. Um, if anybody has any insight on why in Vogue showed up randomly as prostitutes,
3: with the, and they're, and that, they're, they're, like, the only people of color in this whole movie, too.
2: And and the only people of color. Come on. Do better. Do better, Batman. So, uh, you know, like, there's, there's there's just... This one's a rough one, but, Carm, I love you. You can tell my love for you is real because I'm here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> very, very true. Well, is there, isn't there there any, like, nostalgia for this movie? Like, didn't you guys grow... Maybe Omi's a little older, but, like, didn't you grow up with the toys or the... The awesome. We talked last time in the Lost podcast about the uh, the glassware. Do you guys remember the glassware from uh, McDonald's?
3: Oh yeah, the glass mugs. They're th- they're thirty bucks on eBay for the whole set.
1: Literally thought, the best thing to come out of this movie. I'm not even kidding. I love those it. Is mugs.
3: yeah, I, I agree. Those those glass mugs were really awesome, and I got them somewhere at my mom's house. So I, maybe I'll dig them up and maybe drink. Um, I don't know what's uh what's a Batman themed drink.
0: Well, I sent you guys like seven.
1: Oh, yeah. And we're totally going to make those for the finale. Uh, For those of you who don't know, we're going to do a live season finale where we will. It'll be a debate style format and it will be heavily, heavily involved with alcohol. And uh, we will. uh, And we're just going
3: to be we're just going to be arguing with the viewers belligerently.
1: Belligerently. (laughs) Yeah. So if you want to come get your ass handed to you in an argument about which Batmobile is better, look no further the most listened to podcast of all human history, the Call Classic Comic Show.
0: I did have one thing that I wanted to bring up. I felt like this movie did a good job of highlighting the theme of obsession because yeah. you had Chase Meridian, like all about trying to hook up with Batman or Bruce Wayne, whoever. And then you had um, the Riddler or Enigma always like all about Bruce Wayne. Like, so I thought they did a good job at portraying obsession and how that can go a little sideways.
3: Yeah. And this movie was really obsessed with being bad. So they, they, <laughs> accomplished
1: that. I, I liked, so, so of the unbelievable bullshit in this movie, the scene I find most unbelievable is right after chase says to Batman, like my place midnight. And then he shows up and she's wearing nothing but a bed sheet, which I will ignore. And then says to him like, oh, I, I'm thinking about somebody else. I don't I don't want you after all. And it's like, no, no freaking way is she, after Batman, this whole movie, like a hungry dog looking for a bone, pun totally intended. And then she gets him at her place at midnight and is like, nah, I mean, this is Batman we're talking about. He's like a literal urban legend. Come to life. Come to her bedroom. Like, even if you're not into him anymore you're gonna have sex with him just so you could be like, well, yeah, I did that.
3: Like just to add him to your, just to add him to your body count.
1: Yeah. Like, what are you kidding me? Like, of course, how do you pass that up? Because then you, the rest of your life, you're gonna be like, Oh, I had the chance to have sex with Batman. And I didn't at the last minute, you're going to be like, you know what? I better do this just so I don't regret it later. I'm sorry. I just, yeah, I don't know.
3: Hell how you
0: do it. Hell yeah, a- I would.
3: That, that whole scene just sets really un- unrealistic expectations because everyone in this movie appears to be like 40 plus That's and I'm 36. True. And if a girl told me to come over at midnight, I'd be like, mm, no, I'm sleeping. <laughs> I'll come over at noon. Can we try noon?
1: <laughs> you don't want to come a over and get eight. catch a Batman forever, right?
3: Yeah. Well, she want-
0: did. I, I laughed because when she went to that circus, date, whatever that was. I can't even remember again. Um, she did the date with Bruce Wayne and she's like, Oh no, I'm kind of seeing somebody. I was like, that's the worst date ever. Like, "Yeah, <laughs> thanks. I'm not inviting you again. Right? Yeah, <laughs>
3: totally, totally, totally swipe left on that bitch.
0: Yeah. I'm <laughs> seeing
1: someone. And then she proceeds to go on like two or three more dates with Bruce Wayne. And he keeps going out with her. And the only explanation of course, is that he's also Batman, but like any other dude, are you kidding me with that nonsense? I know that's what,
3: what's what's that's called simping behavior.
1: Yeah, but I don't think we can use that word. I think simp is a word that you use when you're like an incel. I think, I don't think you can use that word. I don't know. Uh, I would say by the way, my, my favorite and least favorite part of this movie are in the circus. When, Two-Face demands Batman reveal himself and Bruce Wayne does it. And he just stands up and yells like Harvey I'm Batman. Like I almost love like how self-sacrificing is. I really, really do. And the same exact moment though, Chase is right next to him and does not hear him. And she is super in tune with this whole Batman thing at this point. So it makes no sense to me that she does not like pick up on that. Like,
0: I don't know. She's ignoring him. She doesn't care she's already checked him off the list. <laughs>
1: I, is that how you treat all of your conquests, Emily? Like once you've checked them off the list, you'll go on dates with them, but they're just cannot be heard at all.
0: No. <laughs>
1: <laughs> For those of you listeners who don't know, apparently Emily is a cradle robber. So her, her boyfriend really loves this movie because I guess he's, he's in oh. the target audience. Um, yeah. <laughs> i, I so upset who
0: hears
1: this. He's, he's gonna, gonna listen to this? this?
0: Significant <laughs> others don't listen
1: to cult classic podcasts. That's not how this works. I don't oh, I don't even yeah.
3: listen to cult classic podcasts. Like I I, I don't
1: either. I make them. Oh, why I, would he? I when we say almost everyone on planet Earth listens to them, we mean everyone except the four of us and our spouses.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but seriously though, I I feel his nostalgia, man, because I was talking about this with my dad the other day because he he was surprised too, but Batman Returns came out when I was three, so like I did not see Batman Returns on in the theaters, and I did not have the toys. But Batman and Ro- uh, Batman Forever and Batman and Robin, I was the target audience. Like my parents took me to the theater, I had the toys. I had and I we skipped over the Batmobile. I love the Batmobile in this movie. H.R. Giger's design, uh, the guy who designed the Alien, and so even though like this isn't like maybe the coolest or the most practical Batmobile from like a stylized perspective. I think it's awesome. It's got the like external chassis and the underglow coming out of it. Like, I think it's really unique. And I had the toy where you could like pop the wheels off and slide it into the, the chamber and it became the boat or you could like pop wings on it. And it became the plane. And I still have that toy. I like that. I grew up on that stuff. So I'm, I'm a little softer on this movie. I think because I'm nostalgic, um, even though it's not the Batman movie I would make. So <laughs> what but... are you laughing at? <laughs> Speak your mind, Emily. The people. No, have come I was for just you. thinking
0: it reminded me of like some of the fast and furious movies with all the, the neon lights, and- in the you know in the chassis in the underneath the vehicles, but oh it was god. not a Fast and Furious car. This
1: so. is a Fast and the Furious movie. Oh my god, I didn't even realize it's even about family at the end. Like instead of driving off at the end, they literally run off together into the the bad city. Yeah, situation. how
0: did we not talk about Robin either? Yeah, I'm I sorry. Mean, Somebody say something about Robin, not. please. Oh, I mean, I, mean, I mean
3: Chris O'Donnell was at the height of his career here, and then he jumped into this role and. Um, You know, it's, uh, he's, he plays, you know what, he, you know what, I'm going to say something good about this movie. He plays a good Robin. He plays a, he plays a really, he he plays a really good Robin. I think he does too. Robin is kind of wonky, but he plays a good Robin. Uh, Robin's character arc in this movie is pretty decent. He, um, a lot of, you know, there's a lot of sympathy for him for what he went through. His family, you know, dies in the circus tragedy and. Uh Bruce Wayne's just trying to like get him to stay behind and not seek vengeance because that's not like the Batman way. But um how he becomes Robin is kinda corny, but yeah, that's you know what? That's the that's one redeeming quality of this movie. Uh Chris O'Donnell's Batman. I mean Chris O'Donnell's Robin. Yeah. And he, I, too had nip- he too had nipples on his suit.
0: <laughs> I heard he crashed the Batmobile too.
1: He did. He did. They didn't want him to drive it, but he did drive it and he crashed it into a curb in one scene. That's right. Uh, he is good, but I, I can't get over, like, I, I can get over it, but it's not written for a man his age. Like, he goes to stay with Bruce Wayne. It, specifically, he says, to avoid social service paperwork. But, like, he's clearly not 18, right? Like, he's clearly older than that. So, they, they don't say his age, but that seems to suggest to me that he's a minor. And like, even if he's playing younger... There's no way this guy's 17 or 18, right?
3: No, he's supposed no, to. He, he looks like he's like 25 at least. Yeah,
1: yeah he's yeah. like yeah, clearly mid 20s. Yeah. Um, But yeah, you know, you're right though. I like Chris O'Donnell in this. He he's not. I mean, the worst part of this movie, I'll repeat, is Two Face by far, followed closely by Nicole Kidman, who is saved only by the fact that she's Nicole Kidman. Um, the re- the rest of it is is not that. The rest of the actors aren't as bad. Um. But uh, Emily knows why there's nipples on the costume. Emily, would you share? I I promised a theater full of people the other day that I would tell them why the nipples are there if they listen to our show. So would you give the people what they want?
0: Why did you do this? Like, I researched that like three weeks ago. I can barely remember. <laughs> it has I'll, something I'll never to do forget. With, like, it has something to do with like the Greek and uh their their armor that they wore, they had nipples on them or something, and that's why they went with it. Uh, I don't know why Schumacher went with it, but I guess it was a way to show manliness I, I guess, but it was something with that armor that they wore back in the day. Yeah that, that day.
1: is it. And Schumacher said in an interview that like it it did not occur to him that the male nipple was a controversial body part. That is a direct mm-hmm. quote. From the late great Joel Schumacher, who I can't stress enough by the way, Joel Schumacher's decisions here are intentional. He is a not only competent, but a brilliant filmmaker. Like his work here is not the result of incompetence. It's the result of of studio interference and questionable style choices. But he directed like a time to kill right before he did this movie.
0: And I love that movie. The movie's one of I my favorite
1: movie. movies. His Phantom of the Opera is, is a masterpiece. Lost Boys, a cult classic, like I'm not just saying Lost it because he's Boys. dead, right? Yeah, Lost Boys is great. Like, Joel Schumacher, God rest his soul. Like, he was actually really great. And and it's fun to make fun of these movies and his role in them, but I think he's great. But yeah, he did not think the male nipple was, like, a big deal, and then he was, like, blindsided by how everyone
0: It thought probably it wouldn't be a big deal if they didn't do the whole where they're, they zoom in on certain body parts, like, yeah. <laughs> It wouldn't have really been no. I mean, it would have been noticeable, but it wouldn't have been like a big deal if they didn't do that. Like, ooh, let's look at this. Let's look at the ass next. Like, yeah. yeah they,
3: I mean, they're trying to sexualize Batman and Robin. So. They are, they are. And well, Shulaker are...
0: chase Meridian. Damn it.
3: I mean, she does walk around in a sheet showing
1: her entire <laughs> figure true. at one point. So. I mean they deliver there. And then when they do Batgirl in Batman and Robin, which is maybe a good segue, like she gets the same suit up shot where they do these like super zoom ins on her butt and her crotch and yeah. like and it's and they do the same with them. You see their crotch, you see their butts, they just zoom right in. And and yeah, it's, but her her suit's missing the nipples. So it is. like it isn't, it isn't. Like she's got the cone shaped breastplate that does come to a point but it doesn't have like the separate piece the way that Batman and Robin does. So they did they talked about that. They were like, "Oh shit, how can we put nipples on Batman and Robin and not her?" And they were like, "Well, we'll do hers like more subtly." So that was a, an intentional decision. Um the interesting thing about the suit-up scene is it's in Batman Returns and Batman the movie, but just not as sexual. And Schumacher said like, that's the fun part of the fun of Batman. Like Batman's like super sexual and like Catwoman's super sexual. So he thought like the whole thing was supposed to be that way. And the suit him up scene is like an important part of the hero's journey. It's actually part of, of Joseph Campbell's theory of like a hero's journey is you need a sequence where the hero like armors up and gets ready for the final battle. So like it's kind of, there's, there's thought behind these things. It's just executed in such a bizarre fashion which leads us two years later and halfway through our episode to Batman and Robin. Yeah,
3: Batman and Robin.
1: I can't. I'm not doing it. This. Who, someone tell me what this movie was about. Omi, you, you volunteered. Yeah. Never. Right, you know what? Omi's the worst at this. From Never Omi. mind. Let's move Emily. Omi.
2: I, band. Remember that there's a band going on That's right true. now.
1: Oh we did a shit job describing what which one did you fuck up that was just terrible? I forgot which one it was, but it was it was bad. It might have been the the last episode. Emily, tell us what Batman and Robin was about, please.
0: (laughs) 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 This was the one where we had it was like Batman and Robin were like celebrities in the town, so they were invited to a bunch of different uh, events to be I guess promoters kind of like mm. um, you had um, Uma Thurman's character um, Poison Ivy she was was she like a biologist or a,
3: she was a botanist or something
0: botanist um, she turns into Poison Ivy due to some again chemical like craziness there was Bane was created by some other kind of botanist I don't know They were, see, this is why I can't do synopsis. Sorry.
1: I think you're killing (laughs) it right now. You're killing it.
0: So they, they there's no, the problem is there's
1: no explanation for any of this shit in this
3: movie. So like, you're not like, don't forget, don't forget Mr. Freeze. He's out there stealing diamonds, Right, right.
0: stealing diamonds, trying to save his wife uh, from what's the name of the disease?
1: McGregor syndrome.
0: McGregor's. I should know that. I know somebody in Australia that has that last There's no,
1: <laughs> oh, okay. I was going to say, do you know someone who has <laughs> McGregor syndrome?
0: <laughs> so there's Mr. Freeze trying to steal the diamonds. And then you got Batman and Robin trying to not have that happen, going to these events. Um, Uma Thurman's like seducing Batman and Robin, pitting them against each other. But then Uma Thurman is, or Poison Ivy's all about Mr. Freeze and wanting to kill his wife. And then you have a sick Alfred with McGregor syndrome and how to fix that and how to save him. Um, his niece who is played by Alicia Silverstone, Barbara. That's yep. Right. Okay. I'm, I'm making sure cause I had a had I had to drink a lot for this one. Um,
1: Speaking of up, finish this. I'm going to reload
0: <laughs> shows up and is trying to take care of him, meanwhile doing all these other things with like all the the motorbikes, everything like that, and then it's finding out that they're actually Batman and Robin and wanting to help fight Poison Ivy and Mister Freeze at the end. That's it. That's it. I don't have anything else.
3: <laughs> no, I mean that that's about it. Yeah. Omi, Omi, why don't you uh, why don't you add to it? Uh, let's let's hear more of your voice.
0: What had happened was, you know... The- Thank you, please. <laughs> don't ever have me use synopsis.
3: Oh, I think oh. you just volunteered forever. That
1: was great.
0: Ooh. Well, I will read it from Wikipedia and all those other ones in the book. Do <laughs>
2: uh, you know what the funny part is? I actually really like the these villains, right? Because in the comic book world, you start realizing that, like, Batman's the asshole. Like, he's the villain, right? Like, uh, I think when... Uh, what was that Arkham Asylum? Uh, that book was the first time when, when when Bats goes into Arkham and everybody has their stories of how they're healing and here's this dude in a bat suit. I thought this movie did a great thing of coming to the table with some of that. Poison Ivy has an agenda that is very honorable, right? Like I thought it was really good like, what she had. Um, and they still do that ditzy in the closet person that falls and trips.
1: With the big glasses? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: And it like, turns into, like, some crazy hot person when they come out. Um, but at the same time, like, she was the first time I saw that agenda. It was like, holy shit, we have to reevaluate who's the good person in this thing. And then Mr. Freeze, his only agenda is to try and save his wife. Let the man save his wife, man. Like, let's go. And here's this asshole named Batman coming here to fuck this all up. You know, and I really like those two. It wasn't that I liked the movie any more than Batman Forever, but I did like this combination of villains. I thought they were they, they right on point with the same kind of backstory of, let's come from a very sincere place of, to explain why we do what we do. That's the shit that I really liked about Batman and Robin.
0: I wanted to piggyback on that because you were talking about like Poison Ivy's, um, like her call to action. I don't, uh, you guys have read the comics more than I have, but I always feel like the male, Mr. Freeze, we've already established, he's trying to save his wife. I always feel like the female villain is always, there's like a some sort of good agenda behind what she's doing. So you had Poison Ivy who is trying to save mother nature and the earth and plants and try to take care of that. You had Catwoman who was about feminism and down with the patriarchy and trying to make equality. What are the men villains? like? I, is, is it me that when I'm interpreting it from the movie that it's like they're only out for themselves? Um, does the Joker, does the Riddler have any other ulterior motive that has more meaning behind it?
2: Yeah, I would I would honestly say, um, and this is where I, I think I do jump in with the, the comic books more than anything else, is that all the movie representations are extremely watered down versions of these characters. Like if you, there's there's beautiful... And I I even take that back because I remember when I fell in love with Doctor, I mean, um, uh, Mr. Freeze, it was because of the Batman animated story. Um, That cartoon had a segment where they did just on Mr. Freeze explaining why he's in, like, he froze Nora and why he's in love with bringing her back and all this other stuff. It was so dope and beautiful that that cartoon did more. And then I think the comics borrowed from that later on. Um, but he was fleshed out, fully dimension And then, you know, the evil is that Batman has this Oedipus complex. He has this this idea of justice that doesn't really fit, and it doesn't fit against Mister um, uh, Freeze. It doesn't fit against Poison Ivy. It doesn't fit. It's just blind justice that makes no fucking sense when all these people want are resources to save the people and the things that they love. All right. Um, this 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 was the first one that I felt like oh, they were true to that stuff without having to sacrifice any of those things. Like the Joker, even he has a beautiful origin story or multiple origin stories. And we get the, he fell in a vat and now his name is Jack Napier, which it's not his name, but they took some liberties. This one with the characters, I really thought they did really well with that stuff. I'm very excited. And I I think everyone has a beautiful agenda. Like even Two-Face, he's mentally deranged. Like he has an issue. His his world is black and white in his head. He doesn't have all the choices we get to make. So I, I forgot who was the writer. I, I have his he- I have in my head the uh, Grant Morrison. He's the one that wrote Arkham, where he was trying to get Two Face to go from a die from a coin to a six-sided die to to make decisions to a deck a play a deck of playing cards to make decisions. And his therapists were working on him to learn that there's multiple ways rather than black and white live or die.
0: No. Okay.
2: And is the one that fucking took it away from him. You know, like he's the one that comes in, like fuck this. You, you know, did you did wrong? Punch him in his face, and then it's back to zero. Harvey is now making black and white choices
1: again. So to your
2: point, so
0: you're of- telling you're, you're telling me the movies make it way different than the comic books, like those villains, like motives and the things that they're trying to achieve.
2: Yeah, it's just it's just okay. included right? Like you can't sink. Thirty years of a relationship in a two-hour movie, yeah, you know, like
3: yeah, and, and plus they got plus they gotta dumb it down for the audience. Mm-hmm. You know, not everybody read, not everybody reads the books, and not everybody is well in tune with like what's going on. And you know, it's um, I mean, if you ever like read a book and then watched a movie, it's like it's it's always ninety nine percent dumbed down.
0: I was just curious if it was, if it translated at all, because that's what I was picking up on versus some of the other villains. Like they seem like they're only out for themselves and to kill Batman or get rid of him. But some of the other characters have like real things that they're trying to battle. So, okay. Uh,
2: It's totally easier, right? Like it's totally easier. And I think this time, I don't know. um, I felt like Bruce Timm's like Batman, the animated series was heavily influencing people. Yeah. time because like it was it was doing the Lord's work with Batman uh, on a half hour daily basis um, and then decided to like flex his muscle and say, now we're going to make this new character called Terry and Batman Beyond and like create a new story. Um, but as in movies go, as, as talking about like this was the first one I felt like they didn't make up an origin story that wasn't true to comic books. This was very clear. They totally jacked the comics. I love the stories. Now they dumbed it down, and, and you know uh, the diamond stuff, and all. Uh, you know they had to make him a simple caper kind of guy. But I really, I really do enjoy that they they stole from the right places at this time.
3: Okay. I th- I think um, totally off topic, but uh, we failed to mention that in in Batman and Robin, Batman is replaced from uh, Val Comer to George Clooney, who I think George Clooney is probably the worst Batman ever. True.
1: Sure. I think he. Is for sure, like, without a doubt. What the caveat that I'll add is, you know, George Clooney said something interesting about the role, which is that he thought Keaton did it perfectly and that he never topped Keaton. And then he thought Val Kilmer did a fantastic job and brought, like, this, like, really brooding angle to it. Um, He's much less goofy than even Michael Keaton, who's got that, like, Michael Keaton crazy, which we talked about that I love. So Clooney was like, I intentionally want... I was like, there's nothing to do but screw it up. So the direction I wanted to take was like a friendlier Batman. And I do sorta, while I do think undoubtedly, unequivocally, he's the worst Batman. It was nice to see like a softer Batman who with in, in they don't hide the age. He's got the salt and pepper and the hair and everything. Like he's clearly yeah. the seasoned veteran, but he's been softened by his time with Robin. He's, he's a little more cordial and a little more friendly with Alfred and, and, That's kind of nice to see like from an evolution of the character standpoint, like you almost like to think that like Bruce started Batman because he lost his family and then he found a family it was kind of sweet. Which
3: this is, this is probably the corniest Batman too. There's literally a scene where they're like partying and Batman pulls out a Batman themed credit card and he's like, I've got it. I don't leave anywhere without it. And you're just like, wow, that's so stupid.
1: But that's, that's that's American express (laughs) reference.
3: Right? I don't know. Supporter. It was like a MasterCard or American Express reference. It was just awful.
1: This it podcast was... brought to you in part by American Express. In addition to the Port Ministries and the film Sin Eater, American <laughs> Express is not paying us for this promotion.
3: They're welcome to if they'd like. In addition to Hulu, that's where I watch both of these movies. Hulu brought to you by... All on it
0: now. That's right.
3: Is this the
1: movie where, like, the skates popped out, too? Yeah, so I this, right, is what yeah. I this is what I'm getting at. This is why I like this movie better than Batman and Forever is this is a remake of the 60s show, for sure. Like, this movie does not try to be a psychological thriller with the Riddler tacked onto it. This movie just straight up knows what it is. Like, Batman and Robin being celebrities, that's straight out of the 60s. It's straight out of Adam West. And, like, it's silly and it's corny, but it doesn't, pretend like it's not it knows that it's silly and corny the the bad guys with the themed henchmen, like he's like mr freeze is all these like ice themed hockey guys like that's all out of that show and if you can just like not take it seriously it's a ton of fun if you you know the ice puns do not stop the entire movie even batman gets in on that
3: like, oh gee, yeah arnold schwarzenegger's portrayal of um mr freeze is just it's just nonstop one-liners. This guy, this guy does not have a single conversation in this whole movie. It's just one-liners over and over and over again, yeah. and just punchline after punchline after punchline. Isn't that most of Schwarzenegger's career? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. So, I was, so I was, I, was, I was literally waiting for him to be like, "I'll be back." I so or, he, get, he, or get to the chopper.
0: My license plate says, "Get to the chopper." <laughs>
1: Well, I think you've just gone ahead and proved once again that you're the perfect woman. So the thing about Schwarzenegger that's interesting here is Schumacher brags that, not brags, but he's like, look, I've been really lucky and I, I usually only have one actor in mind for every role in a movie I make. And I usually get my first choice. And Schwarzenegger said, like, they showed him the script and he wasn't sure. He was always like interested in doing Batman because it was so big. And Schumacher said to him, "Like, okay, think about it. But just so you know, you're my first and only choice for Mister Freeze. If you say no, I'm not going to direct the movie." And Schwarzenegger was like, "Well, then, fuck! I guess I'll do it then." And that's how he got Schwarzenegger for this part. I
2: love it. This is uh, the one that also says the holy rusted ba- uh, the holy rusted holes, Batman. Right?
1: Nah, that was forever.
2: Well, that was forever.
1: Oh, man, the movie's man. blur, but that's why we're doing them at the same time.
0: They're all together. They're
1: yeah. all together. They're
3: all. They're oh. all I, so, I mean, yeah, it is it is what it is. I mean Yeah, I I don't know. It, I can't pick which one was worse. They're both <laughs> just like equally bad. Um but I mean, you know, once again, Robin's character in this movie is is a little bit fun. Um there there is just some really weird scenes like in the beginning where he gets frozen by Mr. Freeze and Batman's gotta like save them and stuff. I've but... been meaning
1: to ask you this, as our resident medical expert in the film, when you are frozen solid, you get eleven minutes to thaw somebody before they e-
3: absolutely it. not. Once once your core temperature drops below like eighty eight degrees, you are dead. So uh, that's
1: what I'm wondering though. Like they're covered in ice. Did their core temperature instantly drop to eighty eight degrees? Like how long does it take my temperature to drop to eighty eight degrees?
3: I don't know. That's a good question. Maybe we should find out. We need
1: a physicist.
0: A MythBuster
1: episode. MythBuster episode. I like it. Submit your MythBuster questions to the cult Classic Comic Show, and we'll do a MythBuster episode.
3: You can also send. Oh, could I, should I? Should I share our Yeah, please, please do.
1: I've already received one gift from a loyal listener. I'd like to thank Dr. Jennifer dakin for contributing this Woodford Reserve I'm drinking today. So, if you'd like to tell the audience where they can send our gifts, please
3: do. No gifts. If you want to send hate mail, <laughs> if you'd like to send hate mail. And this is a legit address, people. We're not joking here. It's Cult Classic, PO Box 1, Lamont, Illinois, 60439. Send your hate mail, your love mail. Send packages of destruction, packages of love. Do not send packages Um, of
1: destruction. That is a federal offense. Um,
3: It is. Yeah, you're not allowed to send firearms or fireworks. I have gotten um,
1: literal death threats in the mail. So I just want you to know, I quote Rick Sanchez in this regard. Your boos mean nothing to me. I've seen what makes you cheer.
3: Yeah, no, I mean, so we'll be, maybe we'll do an episode where we open some of these things live after a very uh, rigorous screening. And then we just pretend we're opening them live. But, um, (laughs) that's called classic PO box one Lamont, Illinois, six Oh four three nine. And, um, Hey, send us something fun. Write us a write us a handwritten letter. Write us a letter in the style of like the Riddler, you know. Just cut out cut out oh, letters from a awesome. magazine. Oh, that would be awesome. Cut out letters yeah. from a magazine and just like send us this letter.
1: That would be so cool. Oh my god. Um. Yeah, I I feel like uh, this is gonna be tough to top. Does anyone have anything else meaningful to say about Batman Forever, or Batman and Robin? I do. Yes. What do you got, Emily? Hit me.
0: Okay. So. Was Barbara considered like an, not an orphan, but did her mother pass away or what happened there? Because I feel like her character, you have Bruce Wayne and then you have Dick. They're all kind of like considered
3: orphans. We have Dick. I don't know about you. (laughs) (laughs) They're all, they're all like the same character. They're all the same character for a different group of audience.
1: So, so to your point, Emily, there's a deleted scene that explains that, uh, Barbara Wilson's mother. So in the comics, it's Barbara Gordon. It's commissioner Gordon's daughter. And it's a huge plot point. Like that's super inextricable from her character. So instead she's Barbara Wilson, Alfred's niece. And there's a deleted scene where Alfred explains that he dated Barbara's mother. And so she's not his actual niece. She's the daughter of his like lost love that the one that got away In Metropolis, no less. He mentions that by name in the deleted scene. And so that's who she is in this universe. I don't... For whatever that's worth. I mean, apparently in this universe, you stumble into the Batcave, you instantly get awarded a suit and and become a superhero.
0: Fun fact, I have a cat named Barbara. (laughs) (laughs) Checking all the boxes. Yes, I wanted to say... um, I think it was Alicia Silver... Well, it was Alicia Silverstone's character... She got a lot of flack for being fat is what a lot of uh, critics like termed her instead of back girl was fat girl. And I felt really bad when I read that. I didn't realize that because I didn't pick up on it because I didn't follow it back then because this movie wasn't my jam. But I feel bad as a female that that's what she went through when she was 20 years old having critics saying she was fat. She was not fat.
3: That's a a crock of shit. That's such yeah, a, a, the nineties the were a very unforgiving the heroin
0: chic era. Was that when this movie came out yeah, like, I think when so. and all of them were like the runway models and everything. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That was bad. I mean, it was before we were actually, you know, a little more understanding of trauma and a couple mm-hmm. of other things, but that was a, uh, I remember that going around and I remember it being a big deal. I remember people saying it too. Um,
1: it is it, such bullshit. Film critics have no fucking place commenting on something like that like seriously and and I'm we're getting all into how wrong it was to say but let's just pause for a second and be like Alicia Silverstone was hot as hell in this movie I mean I don't like her as Batgirl I don't like this portrayal of Batgirl I like very little about this movie but she's great. And she's very physical. Like she looked like a superhero. I have no doubt that if they had shown her in less clothing in this movie, we would have seen she had massive guns. Like she was clearly jacked. Like she did not look fat to me. She looked fit. She
0: was healthy. That's the way I picture it. I thought she looked fine. See, I, I was feel, just I getting feel getting like healthy out. is like a euphemism for
1: fat. And it's not to me. Like she's just like, she looks like a superhero, but
0: you know. So when I think healthy, I think of my CrossFitters and what I do. And to me, you can be 30 pounds heavier than me, but to me you look healthy because you're lifting weights and taking care of yourself. She looks fine. She's not fat at yeah. all. But I think it's just a different perception um, that we have. Um, yeah. But yeah. I, I didn't know if anybody else, but only said you he heard that. I hadn't heard it because, again, I was maybe too young or just out not young, but just – not following it because I didn't like this movie, but
3: yeah, I, I don't I I, I remember any of the any of the critics' backlash on her physical appearance. But I was also like 12 years old when this movie came out, so
1: yeah, I was I was eight. Like I wasn't paying attention to film yeah, critics like, at all.
3: It, what, what what eight and 12 year old pays attention to like Netflix. like media right. back then, especially yeah. especially when there was really no internet at that time.
1: Right, we yeah. weren't like glued to our like Facebooks where we could actually have come across film reviews. Like you would have to have bought a newspaper. Like no way. So, you know, yeah. you know. Okay, sorry.
0: I brought that down. Oh, that, no, don't like, be uh,
1: sorry. That's uh, what we're here for. Like, that's the literally... one thing
2: I actually like the conversation. I, I hated the fact that like, uh, you know, you could go into this, this uh, geekdom because you're already ostracized in so many different ways. And we find this way, like, in, especially during this movie that we were gatekeeping the fuck out of things. Right. Yeah. Like an instant, we're just like straight up like, Oh, she's fat. Oh, like and we ostracize even in su- in a subculture of the culture, um, it still goes on today. And I wish it didn't in different ways. But like you know, we all turn and gravitate towards these alternatives because we're looking for a safe place.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: during the movie, we're over here like seeing us. Like I remember, in, in, like it, I think it was like '97 or something. We were just like, oh, she's she's big. Like I don't know what's going on. It, it made no sense. Cause if you look at it now, I'm looking at the images right now. Like she looked great in that, 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 uh, suit, like she made it pop. She made it happen. And I'd be damned if someone said that today cause they, they get their feelings hurt immediately. Yeah.
1: Sure. Yeah. yeah. I believe you get your ass kicked for saying something like that. Like that's bullshit. You know, I, I, I think there's, there's stuff I like about this movie. Um, uh, like I said, I like it better than Batman forever. I like Arnold's suit in this movie. I think it's cool. Um, i I don't care for the Batmobile, but in its defense, it was inspired by the sixties one again like I said, this is clearly a remake, and it's a convertible like the sixties It was designed to look like the modern like the nineties version of the sixties Batmobile um and to the credit of everyone involved, like they all sound a little apologetic, like Chris O'Donnell's really hard on this movie he He thinks they they rushed into production and to give you an idea, forever came out in ninety five this came out in ninety seven So they literally basically went from one movie straight into the next uh, because the momentum was there. And Schumacher, I gave him a ton of credit because he's like, he describes how difficult it was. They were literally like doing designs for, you know, the the suits or whatever. And the toy makers were literally ripping the designs out of their hands to go start the molds because in a two-year turnaround, like they didn't have time. And he said that he had, a studio executive said to him, the movie needs to be, More toyetic. That's the word they use. Toyetic. Like, and it's true. He's got these cool, like, I had the toys. I had the bat ice machine from the end. Yeah, this was, this was a merchandise pusher movie. Yeah. And like, that thing was cool. But like, can you imagine how much it cost to build that fucking thing just so they could sell me the toy of it? Like, it's like a four, four minute sequence in the movie. It probably cost like $10 million. Like the whole, that whole four minutes probably cost $10 million and it was just to sell me that thing. So like, I understand his shackles, but then Schumacher will turn around in the same sentence and be like, I'm not blaming anyone. I'm an adult. I was there. I made these decisions. Like I wish Joel Schumacher were alive so we could interview him on this podcast. He seems like a great dude. And I love that he owns this and he treated it like a cartoon. He said that repeatedly on set often before takes, he would say, remember everyone, this is a cartoon. Um, and he made a movie true to that. You know, it's not one that's the Batman we love, but it, it is the movie he intended. And uh, I stand by defending Schumacher personally, even if like the movie's not great. Yeah.
2: I, I I like this one. I didn't like forever, but I like this one just a little bit more.
3: Jason, now- which one do you like more? Ooh, tough one. Um, boy. I mean, like two, like Two Face. I probably just have to flip a coin. <laughs> um, Very nice. You know what? I think Batman and Robin gets like the ever so slightest edge. This is literally like picking between like two things. I just hate. It's like <laughs> you're like you're like asking me what I rather get shot or stabbed. And you know what? If I'm if if you're going to kill me, I don't know which one to pick.
1: <laughs> nice. Emily, any, any thoughts on this?
0: I'm going to go with, um, I think Batman and Robin, and that's mainly because there was at least, again, I'm going to go with a female character that was somebody strong enough to look up to. Um, it was still cheesy and flashy. And at times I was like, Holy shit, I can't keep up. Is this how kids cartoons are now? Um, I thought it was just, it was better overall. I, I don't know how else to, or what else to say, but I would go with the Robin, Batman and Robin.
1: Schumacher agrees with you. He he actually was really adamant about, so to, to Omi's point, he was adamant about Freeze and Poison Ivy. He loved those villains because of their motives. And he was adamant about Batgirl because he's like, there is a, a lack of female superheroes to look up to. He's like, I don't know why. And, and certainly he was right about, I mean, he's right today, black widow and wonder woman. Like those were the only female led superhero movies of the last like 10 years. He was dead on back in 95. Like even the shitty, like electron Catwoman were like way far off. So he, he was right. And he put back girl in there. Um, the last thing I guess I wanted to say in defense of these movies, if you have not seen them in a while is consider watching them on 4K. So this is what I learned is that like the sets in particular in Batman Forever but also Batman and Robin, they're they're heavily lit uh and the the lighting is filmed. Like there's a lot of scenes where they're in the, the circus for instance and you see the spotlights, those are the spotlights lighting the set. So it gives the movie kind of this this glow and this haze and it makes the movie look like kind of a fuzzy mess in particular scenes where you have like purples and greens next to each other and it just looks like this like blur of bullshit. But if you watch it side by side, like I did, I I watched Batman Forever and I watched Batman Forever on 4K like right after each other. It makes like so much difference in the world. You can totally see what he was going for with like the comic book four color. Like every frame of the movie is a comic book panel with the the four color classic, you know, primary colors. And it works. It it actually works. I'm not saying I like it. I think a more uniform palette would have made the movie more realistic, but that is not what he was trying to do. So it it was a tremendously different experience seeing it in 4K. Um, Omi, next time you're over since we see each other so often. I, I'll just play like a couple scenes and you'll see what I mean. It's really it's really different. Does it save the movie? No, I mean it's still corny as shit, but it is different. And it's worth, it's visually anyways, maybe worth a watch. It's
3: dope. Cool. Well, I will not take you, I will not take you up on that offer.
1: <laughs> I didn't even ask. Cause I knew you'd say no. Yeah. I knew you'd I'm, I'm,
3: I'm gonna, I'm, you know what, whether, whether it be 480 I or 8k bad movies, <laughs> a bad movie. A bad movie. <laughs> <laughs> you
1: know? I, um, so I knew you I could not want me either. to you agree. Don't... Cause we get drunk together so often. Jason and I do not get blasted together. So, um, I knew I could make Omi watch it, Jason. I knew you'd turn me down.
2: Totally fine. Start crying and watching Creed. Switching over to Batman. It'd be great. It'd be I think time. we're gonna
1: do a drunk cast at some point. That's coming. We
3: got to. We got to. And I don't. We'll, I, I uh, won't
1: make it to the end.
3: <laughs> <laughs> we, we we'll fly calm, Emily like, out to calm. Chicago and we'll do a live drunk cast. We will. In person. We'll, um. Sure. If you hey, if you guys want to see Emily in Chicago, send cash to cult classic <laughs> PO Box one lamont
0: illinois 60439 well, wear a Catwoman woman costume wow are they all right that sweetens the pot
3: <laughs> i worked
2: for uh woodford let's go let's yeah do this.
1: well i guess that brings us to our we're a little over on time
3: but we did two movies yeah, let's close these thoughts out yeah, yeah
1: so let's um what did you watch is the final segment it's a nice way to put a period on all this um Uh, We did not get to, by the way, Batman Triumphant, but I will bring that up in the Batman Begins podcast. So uh, we'll talk about that later. What did you watch, Jason? What did you watch this week?
3: Um, Worst roommate ever on Netflix. There's like four or five episodes. Really good.
1: Nice.
3: Nice. Emily, what are you watching?
0: I watched two movies in honor of Women's History Month. We decided to watch a movie that was directed by Lynn Ramsey called, um, I believe it was You're Not Really Here. It has Joaquin Phoenix in it. It's about human trafficking um, with little girls. It was good. And then, of course, I watched Sin Eater last night. Yes! Woo! Which all
1: of our billions of listeners should go do right after this ends. What did you think? Honestly, tell me the truth. It's okay.
0: I liked it. I liked the religious aspect of it. That sort of always creeps me out. Um, and I thought everybody did a really good job, Scotty and Danny. Thumbs up. So I was happy to see, uh, you know everybody acting and doing stuff. And of course, hearing your voice, I was like, wait a minute. I think that's Carmelo.
1: That's right. director cameo. I got, I
3: got, I can't, I can't wait is- for, I can't wait for Senator to become the first ever $6 billion movie.
1: Well, yeah. When our, when our billions of listeners go rented from Amazon tonight, I will become the world's wealthiest man overnight. And then we will, we will make many more movies. Um, well, great. Uh, thank you. I'm glad you watched it in here. Thank you for that. I, pre- I appreciate the, the honest yeah. review and, uh, I hope the audience likes it. It's like a paranormal suspense thriller. So like if you're looking for a slasher movie, like it's not that I am working on that, but that's a separate thing. This is more of like a shining exorcist kind of thing. And, and you know, cause that's what scares me. Religion scares me. Oh me. What do you got? What do you got for me
2: as a director of a, a religious organization? I want you to know that you should be scared.
1: scared because you're going to shake me down for more donations
2: shake you down all the time and as the executive director of a religious organization i also drew one of the covers for sin eater so i felt a little weird (laughs) and it's it's fucking
1: dope omi's sin eater art is amazing the the distributor and i'm not saying anything i shouldn't say they know i feel this way the distributor like mocked something up and it's it looks like a fanfic artwork for a young adult paranormal romance novel that's what it looks it is it sure does fucking horse shit and they had the audacity to ask me why i didn't like it and when i told them why they were like well the designer who did this does like the marvel posters and i'm like "Bullshit! shit i was born at night i was not born last night like fuck <laughs> you trying to sell me that dog shit and uh, it was very frustrating until they were like, "Yeah, but Walmart bought like twenty thousand DVDs." I was like, "All is forgiven." No, so uh, <laughs> it's very complicated. But Omi's artwork is is lit. I mean, it is fucking amazing. So check that shit out. We're actually I'm gonna put that on some shirts and shit. That was really cool.
2: You know, I do remember remember that time when you were coming out with the movie, and I and you and I had like you gave me a still of the picture. Yeah, and I was like, what the "Fuck, am I drawing here?" Yeah. And, got some shit in her mouth. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Shit in her mouth. And it's out of context. I didn't watch the movie yet. I was like drawing blindly. And I was like, dude, I need a picture of shit in her mouth. And then you send me home Depot pictures. <laughs>
1: that's the- what we did. Like we used like springs and shit. So if you don't know what the movie's about, it's about a woman with her jaw wired shut. Yeah. And uh, specifically it's about, I'll put I'll put Omi's artwork in the show notes for this because it's so fucking cool. But it's about after a terrifying injury leaves this woman stranded. She has to face her own dark past to uncover a small town's deadly secrets before uh, they claim her soul. So uh, that's what Sin Eater is about. And that off the cuff description is more coherent than the descriptions on all the streaming platforms which are written in like broken english like i do not know how this happened it is an embarrassment but it sets the bar low so that when you watch the movie like it's way better than the fucking like oh my god anyways go watch sin eater please give me your money i'll make more movies and if you didn't like sin eater give me your money anyway and then tell me what kind of movie you want and i'll make that movie next oh me what do you, you want go. What, what do you got what are you watching
2: uh, so I, you know, I like to keep it chill when I get home. So I, i watched this movie on, I'm no TV show on, um, Amazon upload. Oh, uh, you know, when you pass away, uh, you, your, your consciousness is uploaded to a cloud. And Sandberg, the- is it,
1: what's that episode of black mirror that you showed me? That was fucking <laughs> awesome.
2: <laughs> San <laughs> Junipero. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yep.
1: Which we obsessed
2: over for like fucking a, a year. Right? Um, Black
1: Mirror this. is amazing, and I could do a podcast on that show.
2: But it has um, it has a uh, the uh, Arrow's brother in it. What's his name?
1: Robbie Amell. I like that guy. Yeah.
2: he's yeah. in there. And I like him. So, yeah. watching that to go to bed, it's, it's it's nice and fun
1: cool cool well that's it that brings us to the end of our time together thank you all for hanging out with us i know it was a little bit longer uh, i like to keep these under an hour but uh we had the we had two movies today which i think was worth it tune in uh next week for batman begins i think we'll be um yep so so we're doing that next it's good it's going to get interesting because the, the these movies get taken a little more seriously from here on out and they get a little more modern so uh, and some of these are fun, like they're newer, but I haven't, I haven't seen Batman begins in a few years and it came out in 2005, I think.
3: So yeah, 2005, we'll have fun with that one. I think that's a good movie. Yeah. I think
1: this is going to be fun to do a retrospective of, of probably this is the one I'm looking forward to most of any of the movies we're going to do. Cause, yeah. uh, you know, dark Knight. I think a lot has been said about that movie, but Batman begins, I think, um, kickstarted the modern comic movie. And and we will talk about the unreleased sequel to Batman and Robin. Like, we'll talk about the journey to Batman Begins and how Batman Triumphant became Batman uh, Begins. So thank you all for listening, and uh, we'll see you next week.
3: There you go. Cult Classic, P.O. Box 1, Lamont, Illinois, 60439. Send all your hate mail, love mail over. in Woodford Reserve.
1: If it's legal to ship alcohol, otherwise deliver it to me personally. It is. <laughs> uh, all right, goodbye everybody. Hey. Bye. Bye-bye.
0: I want you to do me a favor. I
1: want you to tell all your friends about me. What are you? I'm Batman. If you enjoyed today's episode of the Cult Classic Comic Show, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. That's what helps us reach new listeners and keep the show going. You can follow us on Instagram or Twitter at Chimeras Comics or join our Facebook group at Chimeras Comics Community. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week.